Hello. Welcome to the fourth episode of my short lecture series on family violence and crime. I'm Dr. Hasan Bukar. In this episode, we talk about elderly abuse. It's hard to imagine being elderly at the earlier stages of the life, but I suppose many of you have elderly family members around you, like grandparents and other relatives. And you might be wondering who in the hell would abuse an elderly person? Unfortunately, it's a more common problem in society than you would imagine, especially the changing demographics and aging population in the United States and other developed countries have created a rather concerning situation for governments to protect and maintain the older citizens' overall safety and well-being. In this chapter, we will talk more about those concerns as they relate to the abuse of the elderly in and out of a family setting. The first problem we face when studying elderly abuse is to come up with a good definition of the problem. And in this sense, I want you to understand that elderly abuse actually requires understanding those two separate terms. The first one is the abuse. So when you are looking at the term abuse, you should be able to distinguish this from the term assault or any other type of one-time or, uh, or, or stand alone a maltreatment of an individual. That's the same when we are talking about a, a partner abuse, when we are talking about abuse of children or any other type of abuse within the context of family violence. In the, in the issue of elderly abuse, we have to understand that an abuse takes place in more than one times and it's a continuous event in most of the times it's not an isolated one-time attack to an elderly person for instance if an elderly person is victimized in a robbery uh, in which he or she is a randomly selected victim for various reasons we are not talking about the elderly abuse when we are talking about elderly abuse we are talking about the maltreatment of elderly people in various ways on a continuous basis and it's not a one-time isolated event and the other aspect of abuse is it usually occurs between two trusting parties so in the in the case of child abuse for instance we are talking about the maltreatment of a child by a parent by someone who is already known to the child and or the family in the case of elderly abuse, we are not talking about assaulting an elderly in various ways uh, by, by a stranger. We are mostly talking about someone else that's trusted by this elderly person. So there are two aspects of the term abuse. First, it refers to an event or to a problem which is continuing over the time. And second, it usually... Um, perpetrated by someone who is already known to the victim. And the second challenging aspect of the problem or the study of elderly abuse is the extent of that problem. And just like child abuse, we are hardly uh, able to know the actual extent of the problem because it usually occurs behind the closed doors and the victims, just like child victims, are not really likely to understand the nature of this abuse. Sometimes they tend to even deny that. And even if they recognize the abusive nature of the treatment they receive, 
they usually are not able to report that. This is why we rely on third parties um, to get to know and create an intervention strategy for that problem. Uh, regardless of those or, or despite of those challenges, in the scientific society, we usually define elder abuse as conduct that results in the physical, psychological, or material neglect, harm, or injury to an elder. And this definition applies to both domestic and institutional abuse. And in this definition, it's also understand, uh, or it's, in, it's, also in, it's also important to define who is an elder. And this varies across the countries and societies. But in general, especially in the Western countries, we define an elder person who is 65 years or older. But as I said, in some other countries, even younger people can also be considered as elder for various reasons. And as I mentioned, usually in this course, we discuss issues uh, within the family context, but elderly abuse uh, might also happen in institutional settings like nursing homes. And if you look at the changing sociocultural aspect of the problem in the recent years, again, especially in the developed world, we have seen the elderly people are taken care of by professionals in those institutions. We know, for instance, the nearly 1.6 million elderly and disabled residents live in the nursing homes in the United States. And uh, among those uh, are the sick and vulnerable people. And more than one-fourth of the 17,000 nursing homes nationwide have had serious deficiencies that caused actual harm to residents or placed them at risk of death or serious injury. And I have included a YouTube video in your course folder about that where you will see um, an internal perspective about nursing homes and the problems uh, face those institutions and their residents. And as I mentioned at the beginning, it's hardly possible to know the extent of the problem. Uh, like other forms of family violence, it occurs behind the closed doors and in, in that private setting. Um, but in 2009, uh, National Institute of Justice conducted a study and reported the following conclusions. They, for instance, found out that the 11% of elders reported experiencing at least one form of mistreatment. It can be emotional, physical, sexual, or, or uh, potential neglect in the past year. And they also found out that the financial exploitation by a family member in the past year was reported by about 5.2% of all elders. And this might look, if you look at it as a percentage, look like a low number or low frequency, but you know each of those numbers represent a family, an individual, an elderly individual especially. It's a huge problem. Uh, I suggest um, that you do not look at those rates uh, to understand the severity of the problem. And a um, couple other studies indicated that the perpetrators are usually the children of those elderly people. But, um, you know, regardless of that perception, the Boston survey, uh, which was conducted in 2006, indicated that elders were abused more by their spouses than their children. 
And this explanation is plausible uh, because we need to understand that more of those elders are living with their spouses uh, commonly than living their, with their children. And uh, in terms of speaking of spouses, you know, in intimate partner violence, uh, we discussed that usually the perpetrators are male and the victims are female, but in this case, it can be both ways. Um, it's usually against the unhealthy or less capable uh, spouse by the more capable and healthier spouse. And uh, most of the attention to elder abuse within nursing homes has focused on abuse by staff, uh, such as nurses or other care aides. However, recent studies have called attention to resident-to-resident -resident abuse, and you will find an example of that in that video that I just uploaded to the course folder. And, um, you know, professionals are supposed to report, uh, identify and report those cases, but it's uh, a little bit difficult for them because first, understanding the size, um, severity, and nature of the problem is really difficult because of the conflicting definitions of the problem of elder abuse. And the number of controlled studies and the case reporting methods that are used in most of the research in this area have produced difficulties in estimating the true extent of the various acts of abuse and neglect. And in short, we need more research and, uh, and, and advanced approaches to understand the real extent of the problem. But again, I invite everyone to not look at this issue or other related uh, victimizations from a statistician's perspective. The rate might look low, but each of these cases is about a human being, is about a person, a child, a family member. And the relatives of this person, like their parents, children, spouses, so on and so forth. So um, that's not something we should be uh, measuring through the numbers or rates to understand the severity of the issue and its impact on lives. And there are various types of elder abuse, like other types of family violence. We talk about physical abuse, psychological abuse, uh, material abuse, like uh, economical abuse. And we talk about the neglect of those elderly people when we talk about elderly abuse. Various theoretical perspectives uh, attempted to explain um, the nature and the etiology of elder abuse. And a review of the international literature on this topic found that the perpetrators' uh, uh, poor physical health, substance abuse, and dependence on their victims were common risk factors alongside victims' level of dependence, poor physical, cognitive, or mental health, and low socioeconomic status. And these findings suggest the need for a better understanding of the causes of elder abuse as I mentioned before. And uh, although um, scientists in this field disagree as to the exact cause of elder abuse, or at least they do not have a common uh, mutual uh, theoretical framework, there's a general agreement that it's like other forms of family violence, and it crosses all social and economical lines. Um, the researchers agree that elder abuse is not an isolated event, rather it's a repetitive pattern of acts by the abuser towards the victim, as I 
explained at the beginning. And uh, when we are studying elder abuse, it's important to understand that since most of the victims are either not capable of understanding uh, or comprehending the nature of this abusive treatment, or even if they recognize and understand that they are not capable of reporting effectively, uh, reporting and intervention is usually uh, based on the third parties. And those third parties are usually professionals like healthcare professionals or social workers, which are in many states uh, identified as mandatory reporters. In the chapter where we will talk about child abuse, we will talk more about mandated reporters but those are the professionals who are included in these uh, in these statutes um, as medical professionals, educators, or others who might meet elder clients on a regular basis, and they are mandated by law um, to report if they have a suspicious activity against those individuals, abusive suspicious activity, and the person who suspects abuse. Uh, are required to uh, is required to file the report or face um, file the report and send it to an agency and um, if they fail to do so there are going to be civil and criminal uh, consequences for that if they do not report a reasonable suspicion and those statutes create a kind of immunity from lawsuits for those individuals uh, if their suspicion was not based on evidence. It actually doesn't have to be based on evidence. Just a reasonable suspicion of a professional should be reported according to those laws. And uh, there are various reasons for professionals uh, for not reporting, even if they have to. That's mostly about their level of knowledge, which is in most of the times limited about the nature of that problem, or they might have difficulties in terms of bureaucracy and the procedures. And the laws in this regard should make it simpler for those professionals to report their suspicion. And uh, as I said, in terms of intervention, uh, healthcare professionals uh, come first, but there are also various agencies, departments, or units who are charged with enforcing statutes um, enacted to protect the elderly. Each of these organizations carries out a needed mission to fulfill the stated goal of ensuring that aged, aged persons are not injured uh, by <clears throat> family members or by strangers. Although all these organizations serve valid purposes, this maze of interlocking and competing organizations can lead to confusion and the lack of coordination in attempts to combat elder abuse. In terms of intervention, there are certain promising practices, even if the issue uh, seems to be challenging uh, in many ways. <clears throat> For instance, creating specialized uh, investigative units in the law enforcement agencies or the prosecutions, prosecutorial offices, or creating specialized courts uh, about elder abuse might help, uh, especially creating a team approach uh, where various professionals can get together and discuss the signs of an elder abuse or discuss the various ways of intervention for the uh, for the uh, 
best interest of the victims and their families uh, have been working very well in various uh, jurisdictions. In addition to those professionals who intervene and report, uh, we also have professionals who are assigned the duty of uh, taking care of those elderly who cannot take care of themselves. We usually identify them as guardians or conservators. And the power of the state to intervene and care for those who cannot care for themselves is a recognized principle of the sovereignty of the state. In the case of elders, the state acts by means of establishing either a guardianship or a conservatorship. Traditionally, a conservator is a person appointed by a court to manage the estate of one who is unable to manage his or her, her own affairs. In this case, that's an elderly person. On the, on the other hand, a guardian is a person appointed again by a court uh, to take care of another person who, for reason of age, lack of understanding or self-control, is unable to care for himself or herself. Depending on the jurisdiction, these terms are interchangeable. For example, in California, a conservatorship uh, may be established for both the person and the property of an incompetent adult. Other states use the term guardian for matters affecting the person and conservatorship for matters of affecting the property. Speaking of property, I think you must have heard about elder fraud. And especially in the recent days when we are going through COVID-19 uh, pandemic, uh, during which time uh, use of technology and internet and online services have significantly increased, we have seen and heard a lot of, uh, a lot of reports indicating an increasing trend for elder abuse. And it's, a, it's another form of victimization experienced by elderly, and it's another growing trend um, through a variety of scams, uh, scams uh, not only online, but also mail and phone. Uh, for instance, they receive uh, calls about the lottery or, or there is that grandparent scams, which convince seniors that their grandchildren have been arrested and need bail money. So there are various ways that they can be uh, they can be subject to elder fraud and those schemes. Um, and in the context of elder abuse, uh, in short, what we know is uh, it's another form of family violence for sure. And it occurs within the family or family-like environments like nursing homes. And authorities um, cannot agree on a certain definition uh, and the outcomes of different studies vary widely regarding its nature, causes, and extent. Uh, however, we know and we agree um, on that it does exist and uh, we need to conduct more studies and research in this area. And we need to improve the agency's capacity to identify the victims and create effective intervention strategies to help them and prevent their further victimization. And uh, like other forms of family violence, elder abuse is not an isolated event. Rather, it's a pattern of behavior that increases in both intensity and frequency over time. The rich, poor, college-educated, 
and uneducated all suffer from elder abuse. The dynamics and etiology of this type of abuse continue to spawn theories, some of which seem to hold more promise than others. Continued research is of paramount importance, as I mentioned before. If we as professionals and educated members of the society are to understand and treat the causes of elder abuse in a better way. And as professionals, we must be aware of possible instances of elder abuse and understand how to respond. Depending on the jurisdiction, a report of suspected elder abuse may have to be filed with a designated agency and the state may be required to intervene and place the elder under guardianship or conservatorship for his or her own protection. Um, thank you for listening. Um, that's the end of this uh, episode, and I'm looking forward to meeting with you again in the next episode.